Well, you can open in your Bibles. We're going to be starting off over in Isaiah chapter 53. The story is told of a five-year-old boy. He says, my five-year-old son Alex was jumping off the diving board the, the first time and it seemed like an insurmountable challenge. He was too timid to manage it that day. So on the drive home, I tried to bolster his courage with a personal confession. He said, when I was a little boy, I began, I began, there was a huge slide in the park beside my house. The first time I tried it, I was so scared that my father had to rescue me from the top. But the next time I slid down, and each time after that, I had more and more fun. Do you know what I'm saying? Alex nodded with enthusiasm. At his next lesson, Alex approached the board with a new confidence. He strode purposefully to the end and then stopped. Finally, he turned and made a beeline for where I was standing. Dad, he asked urgently, do you know any other stories that might work? Well, sometimes we seem to find those insurmountable challenges that are before us. We have a hope that things will change. We have a hope that things will get better, but so far they haven't been doing that. And we've been talking about gaps, that there's a gap between where we are and where God has promised us that we can be. And we have to bridge that gap. We have to take that leap. Just as we looked at making that leap and doing like Evil Knievel did and making the jump from one ramp to another ramp and getting to the other side, overcoming the fear of what is in between. Just like little Alex had to get from the top of, this, of the board down to the bottom of the water. We can see a gap and we, can, we know there's a, there's a jump. There's something we need to do to get going, but we just haven't quite done it yet. Well, what's God promises about that? So we've spent some time, some weeks on this gap part, looking at what the Word of God has to tell us about how we can overcome, how we can get past the gap, how we can get from where we are to where God has promised us we can be. As we said, the Word of God tells us that we must hold fast the confession of our, of our hope, that hope has a confession. Faith, as we talked about, can be past, present, and future, but hope is always future. So faith can work in the past, faith can work in the present, and faith can work in the future. But if we're going to hold fast the confession of our hope, it is speaking about holding fast something that is yet to come. We don't have it yet. It is yet to come. And so as we've been talking about these things, we want to take on the topic of healing. Is healing something we possess or something that is yet to come? We're going to take a look through the Word of God on these things. Now, the, the tendency for people... Especially Christians, even you know, word-oriented Christians. Sometimes we can hear a question like that and we immediately, inside of ourselves, we jump to an answer. But what we have to make sure is that we jump to that answer because the Word of God told us that. Because I know what the Word of God said and I have faith in the Word of God. Or did I jump to that answer because that's what everyone's told me. That's what I'm used to. That's the way that it should be. What does the Word of God say? So we're going to spend some time and go through some of these verses of Scripture. Of course, we'll be familiar to you. But we're going to take a look at the, the whole thing. In Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, it says, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, and by His stripes we are healed. By His stripes we are healed. This is something that, that He has done for us in the atonement. But even back in the Old Testament, He wrote of it 
as by His stripes we are healed. That upon Jesus was put all of our sickness and all of our diseases. They were put upon Him so that we didn't have to bear them. In Matthew chapter 8, and verse 16, When evening had come, they brought to Him many who were demon-possessed, and He cast out the spirits with the Word and healed all who were sick. How many? That it might be filled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. So here it was, it's going to be, he, Jesus is fulfilling the prophecy that was in the Word. He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. And Matthew, as he writes about this, said that He was fulfilling what was spoken by the prophet. So Jesus is out fulfilling what the Word of God said He would do. In 1 Peter 2.24, He who Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. We were healed. By whose stripes we were healed. He Himself. He who Himself? Jesus bore our sins. He bore our sicknesses. We all know that Jesus bore our sins. But it's a harder thing for us to believe that He bore our sicknesses. But the very verses that promise, that, that tell us that He would bear our sins, tell us He would bear our sicknesses. Tell us He would bear our infirmities. Tell us He would bear these things. So if He bore them, then are we healed? And that's what He says here. By whose stripes you were healed. Now, how many times have we had it that we're not healed? Everybody, anybody been walking that way? We, we walk in a way where we're carrying a disease. We're carrying a sickness. There's something going on in our body. Our body's not where it's supposed to be. Our body's not right. But here's what the Word says. Is that a gap? Yes. But we were healed. So we go back to the original question again. Were we healed? Does healing belong to us? Or are we going to be healed? Which one is it? Because really, when you think about it, your confession is going to change based upon what happens here. Your confession will change. Now, in Galatians chapter 3, and verse 13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus Christ became a curse for us, so we don't have to bear the curse. I wrote in your outline Deuteronomy 28 and a number of references there. We're not going to go through all those, but you can go through them when you get home. This is what talks about how sickness and disease would come upon them if they walked in disobedience. But if they walked in obedience, what would happen? Good thing. These things, he said, I'll make sure none of those things come upon you. But if you walk in, in, in uh, disobedience, this is what's going to happen. Don't walk in disobedience. Don't walk after false idols. Don't disobey. Do what I told you to do. And uh, you'll, you'll be away from these things. That doesn't mean that every time somebody gets sick or has a disease, that it's because they were disobedient. This is just one of the reasons. <laughs> Not all. This is just one of the reasons. So this is what we know from the Word of God is, is that we have received healing. That we have been healed. Healing does belong to us. Jesus Christ bore our sins. He bore our sicknesses in His body so that we do not have to bear them. So sickness should belong to us. So why is it that there's a gap between where we are and where we should be? Well, one of the things we sometimes get confused on is, it, is it the will of God to heal us? Sometimes, you know, people are out there, I'm sure that they meant well, but they're trying to figure out what to do about this gap. 
How do we cover the fact that they have this gap going on? And so some people came out with the idea, well, sometimes it's God's will for you to be sick. He has something for you to teach. Now, we all how many of us came out of churches like that? We, we come out of those churches. And I'll tell you what, even though we came out and we've been out for so some of us for five years, some of us for 10 years, some of us 15, some of us 20, some of us longer, it's still easy for us to go right back into that thinking to where, well, maybe God has some reason for this. It doesn't seem to be going away. If it's not going away, God must have some reason. God must be here doing something. Isn't that something that we can, we can get hold of? I mean, we know from the Word of God, and we've, we've, I've taught it to you, other people have taught it to you, you've seen it in the Word of God, we all know it's in the Word of God, that Jesus never prayed for anyone to get healed. Never. Not one time. The disciples didn't pray for anyone to get healed. Never. Not even one time. You know what they did? They commanded the sickness and disease to go. Just like they did demon spirits. And when they did, the sickness and disease left. Jesus never prayed to God about any sickness or disease. He spoke to it. Yet how often do we, when something happens, pray to God? Why? Because we were taught that. It sounded good. Well, if you're sick, you know, come to God. We'll pray and see if God will heal you. But it's wrong. It's not the right way to go. You speak to sickness and disease. The same way that you speak to demon spirits and such things like that. You pray and ask God for forgiveness of sins. But not for, not for that. We've got to follow the example of Jesus. And Jesus didn't pray for people. Not one time did a person come to Jesus who was sick that it is recorded that Jesus said, Dear Father, please heal this person. He didn't do it. Always just spoke to the d- disease. Never even sounds like he's praying. He just goes right after it. Well, we've got to know first off that God desires it that God desires that we get well. If I do not know that God desires that I get well, I cannot have faith for it. As has been said, faith begins where the will of God is known. Faith begins where the will of God is known. So if the devil can get you confused on what the will of God is, he's got you. Just as he did with Adam and Eve, he got them confused on what the will of God was. And he got them. Don't get confused on what the will of God is. Know what the will of the Father is. What is the will of the Father? Is the will of the Father to to heal people of sickness and disease? In Exodus chapter 15 and verse 26, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in His, His sight, give ear to His commandments and keep all His statutes, I will put none of the diseases upon you which I have brought on you on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am and the Lord who heals you. He says, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. Why did they come on the Egyptians? Because they weren't following after God. They were disobeying His voice. He said, let my people go. They didn't do it. Exodus 23, verse 25. So you shall serve the Lord your God and He will bless your bread and your water and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. That's what he said. I will fulfill the number of your days. How many of you want to fulfill the number of your days? Maybe some of you don't. Psalm 91, verse 10. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. No evil shall befall you. No evil shall befall you. Is sickness and disease evil? No evil shall befall you. 
nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. It won't come near you. It'll stay away. Verse 16, with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Psalms 103, verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Which ones did He leave out? He heals all of our diseases, right? That's what it says. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. Don't forget His benefits. Just like at work, if you, how many of y'all know the benefits at your job? Maybe for some of you, it's getting easier to count. But you know that the benefits that are at your job. You know whether you have the benefit of overtime. You know whether you have the benefit of vacation time. You know if you have the benefit of a sick day. Not that you would need one, but... You know if you have the benefit of those things. You know if you have the benefit of a pay raise after a year. You know what your benefits are at work. Don't forget His benefits. Because too often we're going around and we're just forgetting His benefits. We're, we're letting them slip away from us. Don't forget His benefits. Walk with them. Keep reminding yourself of them. How do you do that? You keep getting into the Word of God. Just because you know the verses of Scripture on healing doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something about it all the time. Go over them. Meditate on them. Review them. Word of God tells us that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night. Day and night. Meditate upon it. Day and night. Meditate upon it. Meditate upon it. Keep going over it. Yeah, but I already know all those healing scriptures. As we're reading some of these scriptures today, some of you might even be thinking, oh, I already know those. No, go over them again. Go over them again. You've got to review these things. You've got to know it. You've got to get these into you so that you do not forget them. Because the enemy wants to confuse the issue. He wants you to forget his benefits. He wants you not to know what the will of the Father is. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Who does? God the Father. He heals all of our diseases. All of our diseases, everything, been healed. He sent, he sent His Word in one, Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. What does it? His Word. He sent His Word. So you keep going over the... But yeah, but I already know them. So... Keep going over it. Keep going over it. Get it down on the inside of you. Know it. I know Christians all the time. They know, they say they know these verses. They say they know this concept that Jesus is the healer. They say that all the time. But then out of their mouth, well, I don't know when this thing will ever get off of me. Well, I don't know when I'll ever get freed of this thing. I guess I'll just have this all the rest of my day. Come on, come on, no, no, no. Hold fast the confession of our hope without because He who promised is faithful. Hebrews 10.25 He who promised is faithful. Do you believe that the One who gave us the Word of God is faithful? And what He promised, He is faithful to do. So we read over them. We meditate on them. We go over and over and every time the enemy wants to come in and confuse the issue, nope, you're going to have that one. Nope, that one's just going to be there for you. No, you can't get rid of this. Resist it. 
there is a gap right now between where you are and where God has promised you. But that doesn't mean you can't close the gap. You can get that gap closed pretty quickly. But not standing on the other side looking. Not standing on the other side wishing. Oh, I wish that gap wasn't there. Oh, I wish I was over there on the other side. It doesn't get there that way. How many have ever gone on a, on a long trip and maybe on vacation? Maybe that'll be coming up here sometime this year. And you get over there and you have all the vacation time, you get all vacationed out and you're tired. And now you got that long trip back. How many of you ever thought, oh, I wish I didn't have that long trip back. Oh, I wish I could just be there. I wish I could just be at home right now. Have you ever thought that? And we just like to be able to close our eyes and do like Dorothy did and just, you know, tap the heels and... There we go, we're home. No, how do you, how do you get home? You start closing the gap. You start making the trip. You start going. That's what we have to do. Just because there's a gap between where we're supposed to be and where we are doesn't mean we just let it stay there. Keep going. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, he said, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? What kind of things does the Father give to us? Good things. How many of you have some things in your life that you would not call good things? Depression. Is that a good thing? No joy. Is that a good thing? Burdens. Problems. Sickness and disease. No, these are not good things. That's not from our Father. Let's read it again. Matthew chapter 7. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So if we who are capable of being evil, capable of doing things that are not so nice, if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more is our Father in heaven who's not evil, He's good? How much more is He able to do so? How much more is He able? Oh, come on, folks. How much more is He able? He is good. He is a good God. He is able to give good things. But you've got to know that God wants to give you good things. You've got to know that God wants to give you health. You've got to know that God wants to keep you whole. You've got to know that God wants to have your life to be long-lasting. That God wants you to have a job. That God wants to take care of you. God wants to do these things. He wants to. Do you believe it? I'm not sure you're all convincing me all that much. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? We receive stuff and sometimes we say, well, I guess I just have to bear that for a little while. I guess I just got to take that. No! God has set us free. God has released us from these things. God has said, no, I have taken the curse so that you don't have to take the curse. The curse is off of you. The curse was put on Jesus. It is the will of the Father to give you good things. It is the will of the Father that you be set free from sickness and disease. It was the will of the Father that put it on His Son so that you would not have to bear it. So why in the world are we going to bear it? We've got to close that gap. It is the will of the Father In James chapter 1, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. 
and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of lights. There is no variation. There is no shadow of turning. This is how God operates. But we've got to get it in our mentality. We've got to get it in our thinking that this does not belong to me. Just like if you were at work and your paycheck for work for a whole week was $700. And you got a paycheck that was $350. What would you think? Well, I guess I've been getting a pretty nice paycheck the last couple of weeks. I guess I just need to bear it. I'll just take the $350 and just bless God. Thank God for the $350. Right? That's what you would do? (laughs) Well, I could have used more, but this is what God saw fit for me to have. So I'll just go ahead and take the $350. Is that what you would do? No, you'd march right over into the boss's office. What would you say? There's something wrong with my check. It says $350. It's supposed to be $700. We wouldn't take that, would we? But as soon as we get handed something less than what God promised us, well, I guess I have to have it. And we change our mentality. We change our way of thinking about it. Well, I guess I just have to have that. Well, I guess that's just mine. Don't do it. Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So if it's not what God sent us, we ought to reject it. Just not take the thing. I'm not going to have that one. In Matthew chapter 8, verse 2, And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. It is the will of the Father that you be healed. But we have sometimes have to meditate on that because we got a whole lot of things telling us differently. we got other well-intentioned, well-meaning, loving Christians telling us you should be sick. we got doctors all over the place telling us, well, you just, that's just the way it's going to be. You'll just have to carry this around for the rest of your life. That's just, just how it's going to go on. No, we got to get past that, folks. Don't buy it. If somebody comes over delivering something to you that isn't yours, reject it. If you you have the postman, he comes on by and he brings you a package and you don't want it, what do you do? Well, I guess I have to have it. I don't want to have it, but I mean, it came to me. It has my name on it. It's delivered to me, but I don't want these things. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. No, we just reject it. I'm not taking that kind of thing. Don't do it. But you have to be convinced. You have to know what the will of the Father is. The devil knows what the will of the Father is. He knows what, it, what the will of the Father is, but he's trying to convince you of something different. He's trying to convince you to go in a different direction, to believe something a little differently. Don't buy it. Don't begin to let those, those thoughts simmer on the inside. Don't do it. Get rid of them. Get rid of them right away. No, no, that's not what the Word of God says. That's not what the... Pro- what I've been promised. What well, we see that Jesus demonstrated the will of the Father. In John chapter 6, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. So Jesus came down on the earth 
to do whose will? The Father's will. So whatever Jesus did is the Father's will. His will wasn't involved. He said, I didn't come down to do my will. I came down to do the will of the Father. So whatever it is that He did is the will of the Father. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing bad things and making sick all who... No, that's not what He did, did it? He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with Him. So He went out doing the will of the Father. We look at Jesus. This is the will of the Father. This is what He did. He went out. He saw the oppressed and He set them free. He saw the sick and He made them well. This is the will of the Father. If you have any doubt that God wants you well, that God wants you healthy, that God wants you whole, that God wants that gap closed, if you have any doubt at all, you need to meditate on the Scriptures more. You have to remember, Jesus is the healer. Satan is the oppressor. Jesus is not the oppressor. God the Father is not the oppressor. They don't oppress people. It's not their goal. It's God's goal to set people free. Be set free. Well, in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes not, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. That's what he came here for. So whatever does not fit into that abundant life thinking, whatever does not fit into that is not from God. We can reject it. When depression sets in, should we embrace it? You know how you embrace it? You begin to think, oh, woe is me. Oh, life is so hard. Oh, no one else has to go through what I have to go through. Oh, if only they had to face these kind of things. And that's what the devil wants you to do. Embrace those kind of thoughts. No, get rid of those thoughts. Reject those thoughts. You don't need those thoughts to be around. Get rid of them. Get them out. No, good things. Joy. Gladness. Being merry. This is what comes from God. Don't embrace all these other things. You wake up in the morning. You know, some people have Monday morning that affects them on Monday morning. I don't know why more so Monday morning than other mornings, but some people talk about how Monday mornings are tough. and Nobody here in this church, but you know, other places. And they wake up on Monday morning. Oh, it's so hard. Oh, I'm so depressed. Oh, it's so down. No, don't, don't, don't take that. Don't, just reject it. I don't care what day it is. I am full of life. I am full of energy. I can take on whatever it is that God has for me to take on. And I will win. I will be the victor. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's his purpose. So if the thief comes in with any thought, with anything at all, what's his purpose? To steal, to kill, or to destroy. His ultimate goal is this, to steal, to kill, or to destroy. When he came into Eve and he began to talk to her about the tree, what was his goal? To enlighten them? To help them become more like God? What was his goal? To steal, to kill, or to destroy? Did he pick that up about him? 
Did Adam pick that up about him? When Israelites faced the promised land and they saw the giants were there and the thoughts came into them that we're going to die. Where did those thoughts come from? They come from God? Where did they come from? The enemy. What was the, de- what was the enemy's purpose? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. When they embraced these thoughts about the enemy being too powerful for them, did they recognize that the enemy's purpose was to steal, kill, or destroy? No. They didn't even recognize that the enemy was involved at all. They fully embraced these thoughts and went on with it. But what did the enemy eventually do? Didn't he get them? Didn't they all die in the wilderness? Because his purpose was to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what his purpose is. We've got to re- be resistant to those purposes. When Paul walked the earth, as a, his name was Saul, and he began to kill Christians, why was he doing it? He thought he was serving God, didn't he? He didn't recognize these thoughts as being anything of, of the devil. He thought he was serving God. And so he went around from city to city, had papers to go out there and kill Christians. And then God stopped him on the road and said, why do you persecute me? And you know the whole discourse that went on with with them. And then he went on out from there and he was completely different. What was the, what was the purpose of the enemy? Steal. To kill and to destroy. And he did so by putting these thoughts into Paul. And Paul acted on these thoughts. And he walked on with the, in these thoughts. And he would have accomplished that purpose and did accomplish. You know, Stephen died. And Paul was right there helping out with that. The purpose of the enemy is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan is the oppressor. The father is not. He's the blesser. He's not an oppressor. He's a blesser. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. But the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And so he's going to sow thoughts on your, in your head that are contrary to the Word of God. Those thoughts will not jump out at you as that they are wrong, detrimental, or will lead to death or anything else. But if you embrace them and begin to think of it, you follow along to His purpose. And His purpose is to steal, which is to take what you have, to take what belongs to you so that you can't use it anymore. Who cares if He uses it? He just wants to make sure that you don't use it anymore. He wants to take what you have. He wants to kill you. He wants to destroy all the things that you have. That's what He wants to do. He wants to steal, kill. So He's going to sow thoughts that are along those lines. And if you buy into the thoughts, if you take the thoughts, if you see there's a gap between where I am and where I'm supposed to be, God must not like me. Begin to embrace thoughts that lead to depression. Embrace thoughts that lead to defeat, discouragement. Now I don't do it. No, no, no. God has put me in this place to be a positive effect. God has put me here. I'm going to have a positive effect. I'm not going to be affected. I'm going to have an effect upon them. And you have that mentality. That's what you need to do. The thief comes, but to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. 
Matthew 9, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. How many? Every. Healing every sickness and every disease among the people. So if Jesus, every time He came to a group of sick people, they bring a group of sick people here, and they, every time they brought them, He healed all of them. He healed every sickness. He healed every disease. And Jesus went about doing the will of the Father. Then is it the will of the Father that any of those people be under those sicknesses or diseases? And if it's as common as we think that God wants to teach people things through sickness and disease, how come He never ran into one? How come He never ran into one? Why is it that Jesus and all the people, that he, all the groups that He had didn't find one that He says, you know what? God wants you sick to teach you a lesson. How was it that Jesus in all His years of ministry could not find one? And yet we all think that, well, we must be here for a purpose. He must be giving me this sickness or disease to teach me a lesson. He must be giving me this oppression to teach me something. No. God does not have purpose in that. God has purpose in you getting rid of it. Not having it. We used this example before, but if you're in a weight room, how many have ever been in a weight room lifting weights? You don't have to be doing so like a, like a bodybuilder, but you just get into weight room and lift weights. How many have ever had a trainer? Now, your trainer, if they're a good trainer, will adjust the training to you. And they won't try and discourage you right off the bat. They won't try and throw everything at you so that you go home sore and tired and never come back again. They actually want to see you again. And so they try and arrange the training in such a way so that it helps you and so, all right, they push you a little bit, but you can still walk afterwards. You know, that's always a good thing. <laughs> You'd be able to walk after you get done training, you know. But they'll adjust it. And so then some people come to them and, uh, and they want them to push them a little bit harder. And so they adjust to them and they push a little bit harder. I've told you before, my favorite, rocket, my favorite workout scenes, Rocky IV. That's the one where he's faced the Russian. Oh, I love the, those ones. He's up there in the winter training, dragging logs and... And um, I love the scene where he's in the barn and they got the guy holding the legs and he's there doing the inverted sit-ups and the guy's punching his stomach while he's doing the sit-ups. And, and uh, now some of you probably think that's not fun. But oh, I used to love watching that. That used to get me excited to go out there and work out. But I didn't have anybody to punch me in the stomach when I was doing my inverted sit-ups. I just had to go out there and, and do them. But they adjust to what you want to do because they want you to, to come along. But I'll bet you there's not a soul here who had a personal trainer who had you lift up some weights and, went, and if the weights slipped down and fell upon you and were crushing you, said, no, that's doing you some good. Come on. Is that doing you any good? No, they would immediately get out there and they would pull that weight off of you. The benefit of the weight was not it coming down and crushing you. The benefit of the weight was pushing it away. Your benefit is when you push it away from your body. When you push it away from your body, you exercise the muscles. Sickness and disease, different kinds of things may come upon you, but they're not from God. And they're not to teach you a lesson. But when you push them away, you strengthen your faith. God didn't have any purpose for you getting that, but now that you've got it, get rid of it and get stronger. That's all. But, you know, we got some Christians, well-meaning ones out there, 
somebody gets sick or diseased and they figure, well, we got to figure out why did you get sick? Why did... No, who cares? Get rid of it. That's the best way, right? Just get rid of it. If there is something that God wants to tell you that you missed it on, let Him tell you. But otherwise, just get rid of it. You don't sit there with a personal trainer. If the weight came down, it was too heavy, and it came down and crushed you, you don't turn over to the personal trainer and say, was there a purpose? Was there a reason that you had that weight come down and crush me? I, I want to make sure that I get all the purpose. I want to make sure I get all the benefit. Was there a reason for that? No, if it happens, immediately the trainer comes in and begins to help pull that thing off of you. If he needs more help, he calls somebody else and they get the thing off because it's not doing you any good like that. You, you yourself wouldn't put that on your own kids. God the Father, not being evil, certainly wouldn't as well. Matthew chapter 15, verse 30. Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet and healed, and he healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speak, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, the blind seen, and they glorified the God of Israel. Didn't seem to matter what it was that they brought to him, he got them taken care of. God doesn't want you maimed, doesn't want you lame. Doesn't want you blind. Doesn't want you deaf. Doesn't want you mute. He wants you whole. Now, obviously, people were born into this world or somehow during the course of this world became lame, blind, mute. Right? But if it was the will of the Father, then how is it that Jesus is going around doing undoing it? Because Jesus went about doing the will of the Father. If it's the will of the Father for people to be done doing that way, why didn't Jesus ever show up at one of the hospitals, one of the birthing centers, and cause people to be born blind, cause people to be born lame, cause children to be born dead? Why is it that that never was, was done? Do you remember a story when Jesus was just walking around, doing His own business, just going someplace, and this funeral procession came on by, and He saw the funeral, saw the widow, it was there and her son had passed away. And he saw the casket and he just was moved with compassion. And went up there, no one asked him. Just went up there and the, the casket took the top off and pulled that uh, son out. And he, uh, he was well. If Jesus did it, we have to assume that it was the will of the Father, right? Then how is it that this man died? Is it the will of the Father that the man died? How can it be the will of the Father that the man died if Jesus is going about doing the will of the Father and making him alive? Did God change his mind? On Tuesday he wanted him dead and on Thursday he wanted him healthy? What kind of God do you serve? God doesn't change his mind. God didn't want him dead on Tuesday. He didn't want him dead on Thursday. And, and he didn't do it either. God didn't take him. Hebrews 13.8 Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. He is the same. So what's the Word of God show us about healing? We well, see what it tells us. What's it show us? We have Jairus in Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When he came and said, Will you come and help my daughter? She's sick. She's going to die. And so Jairus, I'll give you the references there. You can go on home and, and read them over and study them on your own. But Jairus went on over to Jesus and said, will you come? And Jesus said, I'll come. 
And so he started head over. Now on the way, he ran into the woman with the issue of blood. But after that, they came to Jairus and they said, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. And before a thought could form in the man's head, Jesus immediately said to him, do not be afraid. Only believe. Do not be afraid. So who would the thought of fear come from? The enemy. What purpose? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus came that they might have life. And so immediately, Jesus said to him, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. When fear comes in, you begin to think all sorts of, all manner of things. You've been in the doctor's office. Doctor says you have cancer. You have a year to live. Would that produce fear in the inside of you? It certainly could. It could produce fear. I don't want to, I don't want to die like that. I don't want that to happen. And fear could come up. But what would that thought be from? It comes from the enemy. But sometimes, folks, we embrace it. When we go off and we meditate on the thought, oh, what happens if that goes on? Oh, what happens if I die? Oh, what happens if I get sick? Oh, and all the treatment. Oh, I don't want to go through all the treatment. And what about my job? And, what, and we go through all these different things. But every good and every perfect gift comes from? God. Not from the devil? No, it comes from God. Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. And they got to the house and have all the people that are there wailing. And Jesus says, she's only sleeping. And they all laughed at him, so he put them out of the house. And he went up to her and took her by the hand. And he raised her up from the dead. After that, we had the woman with the issue of blood. She came up in the middle. What did she say? If only I may touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. And so she crept through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment, and was healed. We had the man with leprosy in Luke chapter 5. He came to Jesus and he said, If you are willing, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said to him, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the man was healed. The centurion, Luke chapter 7. He came to Jesus. Will you come? My servant is sick. Will you come? And Jesus said, I'll come. And then he eventually sent out other people and said, I, I didn't think myself worthy to come before you. That's why I sent other people. But I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. Just say the word. Just speak the word. And it will be done. For I too am a man under authority. And I say to one, go, and he goes. Another one, come, and he comes. And Jesus said, I have not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And it was done for him according to his faith. We've got to stop the thoughts from nesting on the inside of him. We've got to believe that what God said is true. That he desires good things for his kids. So when the sick were brought to Jesus, he would ask them what? What do you want me to do for you? All the time. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do? If blind people came to Jesus, what'd they say? What do you want me to do? If lame people came to Jesus, were brought before Jesus, what do you want me to do? Never assumed anything. He always wanted to come out of their mouth. What do you want me to do? Because if you let people speak out of their mouth, they will tell you what their hope is. They will tell you what their expectation is. Just as the man with leprosy said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He spoke out. Here's his problem. 
His problem was, I'm not sure if you're willing. Sometimes we have problems while we're hanging on to that sickness and disease, why it hasn't gone away from us. Now, this is just going over some review. I put this in as review in your outline. And if you want to, I believe they're still out there. You can go back up on the internet and download for yourself the healing series we did a number, I think about three years ago. But think back three years ago, or whatever time it was, what did people receive when Jesus prayed over them? When the woman with the issue of blood came up to Jesus and touched the hem of His garment, what did she receive? What did Jesus say left Him? So what did she receive? Healing power. When the, when the uh, lame man was lowered before Him through the roof in the meeting, and the Word of God tells us that the Spirit of God was present to heal them. But how many were healed in that instant? One. One. But the Spirit of God, go back there and check it out, the Spirit of God was present to heal them. But only He entered, only He left healed. Because as soon as He got healed, they all got bothered. They all had a problem with that. When you have hands laid on you, when you speak the Word, whatever it is that you do, or we're just going over the one right now where hands are laid on you. If hands are laid on you, you do not receive healing. You receive healing power. Because when Jesus said something went out of me, what, did, what went out of Him? Power to heal. It went into the woman. What effect did it have in the woman? It healed her. It said that she felt in her body that she'd been healed. That's what it said about it. But too often we come and we, we, we ask God, we get hands laid on us, and we expect to see healing. But what is promised in the Word is healing power. And then we go off from there and we leave from there, just like the woman with the issue of blood could have done, just like the leper could have done, just like the ten lepers could have done, just like the nobleman could have done when Jesus said, go home, your son lives. So many stories in the, in the Bible that they could have just gone, gone on and then the thought come to them, you didn't get it. You didn't get it, but healing power went out. And then we have a confession along the lines of our hope. Oh, I thought I'd get healed. I guess I didn't. I thought this would happen for me. I guess it didn't. I thought I wouldn't battle this anymore. I guess I was wrong. We have a confession that's not in line with the thing that we said that we hope. What should we be saying? The ten lepers who went on their way. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. They were still lepers. And they're walking. And they're walking. They're still lepers. And then all of a sudden, the healing power had its effect and they weren't lepers anymore. But they received the healing power when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And they were walking. And they were walking. They were walking. And then they noticed, and one came on back to thank Jesus and the other nine went on to get the priest to give him an okay. See, you're, we don't treat the healing power the way that we should. We've got to nurture that healing. Healing power came into me. Healing power came into me. I received healing power and it's having its work in me. It's working to get rid of my headaches. It's working to get rid of my sickness and disease. It's working to get rid of lameness. It's working to get rid of blindness. It's working to get rid of whatever it is that I need to be gotten rid of. It will go. 
Too often Christians come expecting healing instead of healing power. Come expecting to have healing power come into you and then you direct it to do the thing that it needs to do from there. That's how we need to go. This is the example that we have. So here's where we end this off. Our confession should be in line with our faith. Our confession, I'm sorry, our confession should be in line with our hope. Excuse me. Our confession should be in line with our hope. What is our hope? Now we start this off. Is healing mine or is healing to come? Which one is it? Now we show you scriptures that said healing belongs to you. But what what did the woman with the issue of blood say? Did she say healing is mine? What did she say? If I touch the hem of his garment, I know I will. What did the leper say? If you are willing, you can make me. He He didn't go around saying, I am healed, did he? The nobleman, when he came to Jesus, said, will you come with me to lay hands on my son that he'll live? We have two things going on in the Word of God. We have some scriptures that tell us that healing belongs to us and we have other scriptures that show us that people said with their mouth, I will receive it. How is it that you receive what you already have? How do we do that? This is why it's important. Our confession should be in line with our hope. What is your hope? If we believe we are healed then our confession is in line with our faith. If I believe I am healed, and you can get healed this way, glory to God, you can get healed this way. I can simply come to a realization that the Word of God says I am healed. And I can come to that realization, I can walk in that truth, I am healed. How many of y'all read the Brother Hagin's story about how he got healed? Anybody not read that? Wonderful story. I believe, um, uh, I believe the book... Um, I believe in visions as it told in great detail. You haven't read that? Read that over. But he, he, was around, he wasn't around people who laid hands on folks. He wasn't around people who taught about it. He just was reading in the Word of God. And he had to just come to a point where he believed. And he even said, well, if I'm healed, I shouldn't be in bed. And this is uh, one who was you know, lame from, uh, lame from this, the disease, the incurable blood disease. Wasn't supposed to live past his 16th birthday. And he got up and walked around the room. On that particular day. I mean, the story is much, much longer than this. Got up and walked around the room. And he tells you the, the, the things that went on. How uh, it, it seemed like he was healed. And then all of a sudden he'd have a relapse. And what it would do with his mind. What he would do with his thoughts. I'll tell you what, if you haven't read that story, I, I don't want to give you all the details of it because I'll, I'll, I won't um, get it all. But that can help you in your thinking. That can help you battle this. This is a way that you can go. You can certainly go in a direction that says, I am healed. I have received it. Therefore, I'm going to walk in it. And every day you get up, I am healed. I am whole. I am healed. I have received it by faith in Jesus' name. It is mine. And you just go on and walk around that that way. But your confession must be in line with your hope. The woman with the issue of blood did not believe that. She believed what she heard about Jesus. What she heard about Jesus was that people came up and pressed against him. And when they touched Jesus, they got healed. So she said, I can do that too. But I'm not worthy of anybody you know, coming and doing that for me. So I'm going to sneak in and do it this way. That's where her faith was. And so she said, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. And there were people who put it future. 
whether you see healing for your particular situation as past or future makes no difference. But your confession needs to be in line with it. If you see healing for your particular thing, say you have headaches, say that you have sickness and disease, some kind of body thing going on, then every day you wake up, I am healed. You got a headache, you got that sickness stirring itself, what do you say? Oh, I thought I was healed. No, what do you do? I am healed. Why? Because you're trying to, you know, hocus pocus, mind over matter? No, you're just obeying the Word of God. What's the Word of God say? I'm just believing. This is what the Word of God says. The Word of God says, He took my sickness. He already took it. I don't have to bear it anymore. He took it. And we just go over. We gave you all those verses in there. You can go back on home and look them up and read them. I am healed. If we believe we are healed, then our confession is in line with our faith. If we believe I shall be healed, then our confession must direct us to the object of our faith. Every single one of these people who had the I shall be healed in their confession had an end result. The woman with the issue of blood, what was her end result? If I touched the hem of his garment, the, the man with leprosy, if you are willing, you can make me whole. These people who saw it as future didn't see it as an indefinite future. They saw it as future to a certain event. They were looking for something to happen. If you come back, my daughter will live. If you come with me, my son will live. They had a, they had a direct thing to be, to be looking for. If we believe I shall be healed, then our confession must direct us to the object of our faith. But look at this. Get this one down. Someday, someway has no place. But someway, someday has no place. You cannot have a confession of hope if you believe that someday and someway you will be healed. You cannot have a confession of hope if someday and someway I get a job. If someway and someday I get blessed. If someday in some way that thing is taken from me. You cannot get it. There is not a single instance in the Word of God where anyone who looked at a healing as future saw it as someday in some way. They all saw it as a particular event. Even blind Bartimaeus, he just was waiting for Jesus to come around. And when he heard Jesus was here, he launched in to what he knew he could do. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus came over. What do you want me to do for you? I want to see. Blind Bartimaeus, the man who threw away his blind man's coat when Jesus called him because he knew I don't need that anymore. There is a time as far as healing is concerned. There is a time for your healing. You either see it as a past event or you see it in the future but you've tied it to something. Um, I'm going to go to the such and such a meeting. Have hands laid on me and I will be healed. I'm going to go and, and do this particular thing because I found this in the Word of God. This is what they did. Every single person who saw it in the future based it on something in the Word of God. The woman heard about Jesus. Heard about Jesus. If I just touched the hem of His garment, I know. I know it. They closed the gap. But if you get into that place 
where it's someday in some way it's not going to happen. There are three types of confession. First off, I am healed. You can write this in your outline if you want to. I didn't write this down for you. You can have the first time. I am healed. Every time I feel anything different, I am healed. Even when I don't feel anything different, I am healed. Thank you, Father God, that I am healed. I thank Him that when I feel healed, when I don't feel healed. It don't matter. I just keep thanking Him. Thank you, God, that I'm healed. It works for other things as well. Not just sickness and disease, but whatever it is that you need, whatever blessing that you need. Father God, I thank you that I have that thing. Just like Abraham. Father God, I thank you. I am a father of many. Father God, I thank you. Joseph could say that you have made me ruler just like you promised me. I am healed. Or I will be healed when such and such happens. Whatever it is. I just put a blank line on my thing. I will be healed when... And you name it. Whatever it is that you have faith in. So and so laying hands on you. People coming around and laying hands on you. Anointing you with oil. Whatever it might be. But you have faith that when that happens, that will, that will go. That's what has to happen. Once that happens, I know it'll, I'll receive it. But don't have the third kind. I hope to be healed someday. How you doing with that thing? Well, someday I hope that this thing will go. See, that's not right. That's not a, you don't have a Bible example for that one. You do for, I am healed. You do for, I will be healed when this happens. But you don't have a Bible example for someday, some way. It's just not there. It can be past. It can be future. But it is yours. You've got to see it as yours. The Father wants you healed. If He can get you healed by you looking at a past event, that's fine. If you need to look at a future event, something happening, that's fine too. Remember a story Brother Hagin told us about a man who wanted to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And it was back in the days when they had the Terry meetings. You know, you'd wait and wait hours and hours and hours. Days and days. Years and years. I've been tarrying 20 years waiting for the Holy Spirit. And people would go off and they would say stuff like that. And they kind of... They didn't know any better. And so he saw this, this man and, uh, and God gave him a way to get him to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, the Lord told me he said, if I lay hands on you three times at the third time, you'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the speaking of other tongues. Now, Brother Hagin was very quick to clear it up with us. He said, could have happened on the first time. Wasn't anything special about the third time. But we had to get this man to a place of expectation. And so Brother Hagin laid hands on him and prayed for him. And then the man opened up his eyes and said, that's one, right? He says, yeah, that's one. He came back the next night. He came right back up on the line and Brother Hagin laid hands on him again. And after he was done, he said, that's two, right? He said, that's two. Tomorrow night will be the third one. Yes, it will. He came back the next night. He was anticipation built in him over those couple of days. That's all that God needed was anticipation. All he needed was someone to expect him to believe to, that something would work. And so he came on the third time. And he said, this is it. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. He was no longer tarrying. He was no longer waiting for it to happen. He was now in a mode that he said, it will happen now. And when Brother Hagin laid hands on him the third time, he received the baptism of the Spirit and spoke in tongues despite the fact that it took him years and years and years before. You have to get yourself to a place of expectation in whatever it is that you're going to receive from God. He needs you to expect. That's why Jesus always said, What do you want? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want? If you want to wait until brother or sister so-and-so 
shows up to Philadelphia for a meeting and that you go out to that meeting and have hands laid on you, that's fine because it builds anticipation. And when that comes, you are in faith and you are anticipating and you will receive. If you get yourself to the place studying the Word of God and you realize it's mine now and I am in anticipation, I'm in expectation and I believe it's mine now. What He cares about is He wants you healthy. He wants you blessed. He wants you well. He wants you in a job that you enjoy. He wants you with joy, not depression. Gladness, not sadness. That's what He wants for you. Get convinced that that's what He wants. And get yourself to a point of expectation. But folks, it's so easy for us to get to that place like Abraham was. Abraham heard Jesus say, in a year, your wife's going to have a baby. And what did Abraham do? (laughs) Yeah, right. Heard that before. Oh, that Ishmael would live before you and live. (laughs) Be blessed. But he got out of that. Three months later, came back. And this time, Sarah heard it. Sarah laughed. Yeah, like that'll happen. (laughs) No, it will happen. You can be blessed. You can receive from God. But only when you are in expectation. One more time. The man was let down through the ceiling. The power of God was present to heal them all. But only one walked out of the meeting healed. Because at that point, when Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, all their expectation fell away. Got to come to God with expectation. There's a gap between where you are and where God wants you. Where God has promised you. It's okay. Expectation is what you need. You can't get to the place where you're complacent. Well, someday, some way, that'll happen. No, how's it going to happen for you? What are you believing for? How is it going to happen for you? You want people to lay hands on you? You want people to anoint you with oil? You want to believe the Word? You want to speak the Word? How is it going to happen for you? It can happen any of those ways. But how is it going to happen for you? What do you have faith to believe? I hope someday it's not going to cut it for you. Someday, some way, somehow, no, it's not what's going to go on. What do you need and how has the Word promised it to come to you? If you don't know those things, you can't have expectation. Not the right kind. Get into the Word of God. Find out. All right. How am I going to expect this? How will this come to me? What will be going on? And then have that expectation. Feed that expectation every single day. Think back to when you were a kid and you were expecting that Christmas present that you all oh, you couldn't wait for that thing to come. In my day, you know, we looked through the Sears catalog. <laughs> J.C. Penny wish book. See the picture. See the picture. And we'd envision ourselves with that thing. We build up expectation. But the devil wants to sow thoughts not of expectation, but of failure. Because his goal is to steal, to kill, and destroy. But understand, you won't recognize the thoughts he puts in your head as doing that. If you did, he wouldn't be doing his job. He's got to conceal them, cover them up. God is a good God and desires good things for His kids. Would you all stand up with me?
As we celebrate the communion table here this morning, let's remember what it is that God has done for us. What He wants to do in us. What is the gap in your life? What do you need to have closed? Have you gotten a little cold in your expectation? Need to get that going. As the ushers pass around the elements, as you wait for them to come to you, begin to think to yourself, what's the gap in my life? Is it sickness and disease? Is it something financial? Is it something emotional? What is the gap in my life? How am I expecting that thing to come to me? Do I expect it's already mine? Or do I expect it will come if this happens? What are you expecting?